Hey, I'm Andy McMillan, and today we're talking about the big picture. Let's get started. Hey, thanks so much for watching today's episode. It means the world to me that you're on here listening, watching, however you're taking in uh, this message. I hope that it encourages you and inspires you. Well, today we're going to begin talking about the 23rd Psalm. We're going to begin to dive in for the next several episodes on each part of this passage, and I hope that our time together encourages you and really builds you up. And we're going to talk today about the bigger picture of the 23rd Psalm. Now, I love the 23rd Psalm. It's made a huge impact in my life personally uh, for years. And honestly, it was a passage that I grew up with. I quoted it as a kid. I memorized it in church. But it didn't really begin to have a significant meaning until I began to have a little bit of a revelation about what this scripture is really pointing to. And that's why we're talking about the bigger picture. You know, a lot of times when we read scripture, we can miss the bigger picture and we, we can find ourselves just kind of stuck in the, like, the mundane assumption of what the passage is talking about. And often when we do that, we miss the glory of the passage. We miss the beauty of what the scripture's trying to say. Now, we can do this with a lot of scriptures, uh, but I think that for scripture like this, maybe like this, or maybe like the Lord's Prayer, which coincidentally, they're both prayers, and they're also both passages that interlock a lot. And we're gonna talk about that in one of the episodes in this series. But this particular scripture has a lot to say. And if we're not careful, we'll actually miss the significance of it. As a side note, I have been sneezing through like every single moment I've been trying to record this. So if it seems a little bit more chopped up than usual, it's because I'm sneezing a lot and I don't really want that on camera. So anyway, um, th this is a sneezing break right here. Now, this passage is pretty important to me for several reasons. Number one, as I just told you, later in life, I discovered a lot of significance in it, and it's made a huge impact and transformed me in a few different seasons of my life. It's, it's really done a lot of work in my soul. And the other reason that this passage is so special to me is because it's one that we've worked really hard in my family to put in front of my kids. Every night that I take my kids to bed or I tuck my kids in, I say this prayer. Now, it doesn't happen every single night, but most nights when I take them to bed, I take them up to their rooms, I lay them down, and I say, let's pray. And we say the Lord's Prayer. And if you know anything about my kids, Jackson's four years old, and he is full of energy, super excited, super cute, awesome kid, love my kids. They're a ton of fun, and we talked about them a good bit on here. Jackson's four, and he's at this stage where he can begin to say the prayer with me. And Eden, my three-year-old, who has more energy than she knows what to do with, and she's getting to be a little bit of a bossy pants, she even jumps in as well. I'll sit there and say, hey, Eden, do you want to say this prayer with me? And, and most of the time, she says yes, and she does this thing where she whispers it. So I'll begin to say, the Lord is my shepherd, and we'll go through it, and she'll just go, shepherd. It's the most cute thing on the planet. Now, why do I pray this prayer with my kids every night? It's not just because I want them 
uh, to have a cute little prayer that they've memorized. It's not because it's the thing I'm supposed to do as a Christian parent. I do it because there's significance in this passage. And not only is there significance for me in this passage, I think that there's significance for everyone who follows Jesus. But a lot of times, because it's just a familiar scripture, a lot of times because it's a passage that we have known for so long and we learn it so early in our walk with God, sometimes we miss the bigger picture. Sometimes we miss the bigger beauty of the scripture. And that bigger beauty is found in this statement, that he restores my soul. And so today, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read this passage, and then we're gonna just begin to talk about this scripture in its bigger picture. So let's look at it together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters, and you restore my soul. You lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. When I read this scripture, there's a lot of different things that we could focus on, right? There's a lot of different pieces that are beautiful and that we're very familiar with. If I said to you, finish this statement, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and then I say, finish it, you probably would know to say, I fear no evil. We know that statement because we've heard it a million times. We're very familiar with it. It's something that we've been taught. It's something that we've heard. It's something that we've heard preached about. We've probably heard it quoted to us in difficult seasons. So what does it mean to have the bigger picture of a passage of scripture like this? We're gonna talk about what that looks like today. And then in the next few episodes, we're actually gonna take this scripture verse by verse and really understand how it fits into a bigger picture. Several years ago, I went to the Pacific Northwest for the first time. I actually live here now. I live here in Oregon. But when I first came to the Pacific Northwest, I went to Washington State with my wife to visit some family. And when we came, we flew in to uh, the Seattle airport, but I didn't get to see much of the Pacific Northwest coming in because there was a lot of cloud coverage. See, we came in February, and if you know anything about the Pacific Northwest, its beauty is in its mountainous regions. Now, there's a lot of other things that are beautiful here, but the mountainous regions are what really sets this place apart from the rest of the country. It's absolutely gorgeous. I can tell you, I've driven from Florida to Oregon. I've driven throughout the country and there's nothing like the Pacific Northwest. And when we got here, we got off that plane, we were looking around, seeing all the all the beautiful greenery even in the winter, it was still lush green, beautiful all throughout the area. But it wasn't until nearly the end of our trip when the clouds started to break that I was able to see some mountainous regions that I began to have a little bit better of a context of what the area looked like. But when we went home, it was a game changer. When we went home, I got on a plane and we begin to fly up to go back home. And as the plane ascended, I mean, obviously planes always fly up, right? I don't know why I said that. Planes always go. If your plane goes down, they're there's you're either landing or there's an issue. Anyway, as our plane was ascending up into the sky, I begin to see with just a little bit of break in the clouds, 
the beauty of the entire PNW. You could see mountainous regions, you could see green space, you could see the forest. It looked gorgeous. We actually got to a spot where the clouds broke and it felt like we were sitting right across from, uh, it was either Mount Hood, or I can't remember where we were flying at at the time, but we were still ascending and coming south. It was absolutely beautiful. There was nothing like seeing it from thousands of feet up in the air. And when I saw it, the bigger picture, when I saw it in it, all of its glory, it just changed the meaning for me. And seeing scripture from just a step back, like being able to step back from it and get a more full picture almost always changes how we read it. It almost always changes how we perceive it. And so with a passage like the 23rd Psalm, when we can step back and say, God, what are you trying to say in this entire section of scripture? It, it reveals new things to us. And I remember the first time I did this with the 23rd Psalm. And I began to realize this theme. And this theme is actually anchored in a statement within the 23rd Psalm. And that statement is that he restores my soul. He restores my soul. When I now read the 23rd Psalm, just through the revelation that I've begun to understand in this passage, I can't help but see everything as a connection to restoration. I can't help but see everything as a part of that new understanding of the passage. You can read the passage and really even see it in three different sections of restoration. That, that God is really taking us on a journey through the 23rd Psalm to understand what he desires to do in our life, how he desires to restore us, and why he desires to restore us. When I look at the 23rd Psalm, these three sections that I see are this. The first is that God is leading me to restoration. God is always leading me to restoration. Regardless of where I'm at in my journey, regardless of um, how far I think I've come in my relationship with God, he's always leading us to a new restorative place in our life. And as I begin to understand that restoration is the, the work that God is taking me through throughout my journey with him, it changes the way that I understand my walk with him. That as I get to know him and as I get to develop that relationship, that I understand he's constantly doing that work inside of me. He's constantly doing a restorative work and that he's always leading me to that place of restoration it changes things. And that's the first part of this scripture, that everything leading up to the statement, he restores my soul, is helping me understand how God leads me to a place of restoration. Then the second portion is that he restores my soul. And it tells me how God restores my soul. It doesn't just tell me that he desires to restore my soul. He also gives me a picture of what that looks like. Then the third part of the passage, the rest of the 23rd Psalm, is actually God telling us what happens as he begins to do this work. As he begins to restore my soul, what's taking place? What does it look like for him to really do that work? And what new realities do I experience in my relationship with God because he's restoring my soul? Now, when we talk about all of this and picturing the 23rd Psalm through this lens, it may change the way that you view individual pieces of it. It may change the way that you view the statement, the Lord is my shepherd. It may change the statement um, that, uh, it may change this. 
Now, as we begin to read the passage this, now, as we begin to read the 23rd Psalm this way, it may change how you view it. Hopefully it does. It'll help you understand what it means that the Lord is our shepherd. What exactly does that mean? And how is that connected to God restoring my soul? What does it mean that he anoints my head with oil and my cup overflows in response to understanding that it's anchored in he restores my soul? How does the entire passage fit that model? Well, we're going to spend the next several weeks looking at that together, and I hope that you'll go on this journey with me. I hope that you'll enjoy seeing the 23rd Psalm through this lens. The last thing that I'll say about it is this. You know, several years ago, before I got married, I had to go on a engagement ring hunt. Now, I didn't know anything about diamonds. I'd never bought a ring before. All I basically knew was the bigger they were, the more they cost. That's all I knew. And I knew if there was a really big one and it was cheap, it probably was a fake ring. That was the extent of my diamond knowledge. Hey, I hope that you're enjoying this discussion on the 23rd Psalm. Before we go any further, do me a favor. Take a second and subscribe. Whether you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or watching this on YouTube, subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that bell. It'll notify you when we get a new episode up. Every Tuesday, we launch a new episode, and I want to make sure that you're able to get this content if it's something that's making a difference to you. All right, let's jump back into the discussion of the 23rd Psalm. Now, when I went to go pick out her ring, a friend of mine took me to a place in downtown Atlanta that wasn't normally open to the public. It was a place where jewelers actually went to go buy rings for their stores. And he said, when we go, we're not just going to grab a ring off the shelf and buy it. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about the type of ring that you want to get, the type of gold that you want it to be made out of, the quality, how you understand all that. And then we're going to pick out a diamond. And he said, we're going to talk about the clarity on the diamond, how they measure that, how you understand exactly what type of a cut you're looking for, all of the things specific to that diamond. And then we're going to have them put it together in a, there's a couple of different ways that that diamond can be connected to the ring. We're going to talk about that as well. Then we're going to talk about if you want anything on the sides of the diamond, what that could look like. And we went through all of this detail and I got to be honest with you. It was an overload for me for a moment. But when I began to to really process everything that he was saying, we walked in that store and I thought very differently about everything that we were doing. Had I not understood the the bigger picture of purchasing that diamond, I probably just would have walked into like, you know, a random store and said, I'll take that one. But no, because I had a better understanding, because I had a bigger picture, as I, as I had that bigger picture, I began to think more intentionally about it. I began to understand that picking out a ring wasn't just picking out a ring, but it was all of these nuances that made picking out the ring special. And that's what I want to say about the 23rd Psalm is the more that I understand this revelation, that everything is anchored in the statement, he restores my soul. It gives a deeper meaning to the passage. It's not just a passage of scripture for me to read and appreciate, but it's actually a journey. It's a journey to restoration and it's a journey through restoration. And it's a journey that helps me understand why God desires for me to be restored. And so as we go on this journey together over the next few weeks, I hope that you'll stay connected, watch every episode, and really uh, allow this to minister to your soul and give you a bigger picture of the 23rd Psalm. Well, until next week when we jump in with the statement, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, 
I'm Andy. Thanks for watching my podcast. <laughs>